Okay, welcome everybody to another special edition of Third Degree, the podcast. I'm Buzz Garrett. With me today is Andy Swift, Executive Director of the Dallas Cup. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Right, you took over as Director of the Dallas Cup in 2012 from Dallas soccer legend Gordon Jago. Before that, you were, at, at, at one point anyway, burnt, the GM of the Dallas Burn from 2000 to 2003, and oversaw the transition to the ownership by the Hunts. You also have been Senior VP of Marketing and Communications for Major League Soccer. So you are a man in the soccer business in Dallas, and now you will run the Dallas Cup. So for those of you who are new to the soccer world, new soccer fans, there are some of us. Andy, why don't you sum up <laughs> what the Dallas Cup is and where it is in the landscape of soccer in the United States and the world? Yeah, all right. So this is our 40th year, the Dallas Cup. Uh, Dr. Pepper Dallas Cup will be celebrating 40 years uh, this year, started in 1980 uh, as a 2014-team tournament. Uh, I think three or four countries uh, participated in that one in 1980. And today we're at 248, uh, 248 teams in this one. Uh, more than 100 countries have been represented at Dallas Cup through the years. 48 states, uh, the top referees in the world at one time or another have come through Dallas Cup. We've had uh, over, uh, I would say, 20 or 30 over the course of the 40 years, FIFA referees that have actually refereed in, in FIFA World Cup finals. Um, and then every year we get about 25 to 30 FIFAs um, uh, officiating that one particular tournament. And the Dallas Cup has kind of been a Dallas institution, a North Texas institution over the last four years, right? I mean, it started in 1980 while uh, the precursor to MLS was the professional league in the U.S. It was the NASL. Uh, and the Dallas Cup has survived the the folding of the NASL, then the heyday of indoor soccer, and remember the sidekicks. Uh, sidekick soccer was kind of the soccer uh, scene in Dallas through the 80s. Gordon Jago, that's, uh, he was the coach, legendary coach of the sidekicks. Uh, Dallas Cup. Uh, again, uh, was part of all those years uh, of indoor soccer. Uh, and then the World Cup came to the U.S. in 94. The Dallas Cup was uh, involved with that as well uh, in terms of uh, hosting uh, FIFA officials that uh, came to Dallas leading up to that World Cup and the years leading up to it, and then obviously helping the venue here in Dallas with volunteers and with staffing. Uh, then the Dallas Cup continued on as MLS started. Major League Soccer started up in 96. Dallas Cup was part of that. Uh, and today, you know, uh, the very vibrant youth soccer scene here in Dallas, youth development scene here in Dallas with not only FC Dallas and their very strong academy, but the Texans and Solar. And as you know, we have one, we're one of the top regions for soccer development in the U.S. and Dallas Cup uh, has been a part of that as well. So for 40 years, we've kind of been the thread uh, through all these soccer events, and uh, it's a Dallas, uh, uh, North Texas institution, and we like to say we're a gem, you know, of of, uh, of the soccer here in this area. Not that the Dallas Cup wasn't big before, but I, I think that you've taken this tournament to a higher level. What what did you feel that your sort of 
goal or mandate was when you came in and took over this tournament to get it where it is now? Well, uh, it, and my history with Dallas Cup goes back, thank you for saying that, but uh, let me set the sec record straight. I mean, many, many, many people have been uh, involved with Dallas Cup through the years and been instrumental in, in it, getting it to where it is today. And it really, the tournament has been what it is for a long, long time. I, I was lucky enough to play in it in, in tournaments two and four. Uh, I volunteered for 12 years as well uh, through my college years and into my professional career, uh, both in television and then in soccer. Dallas Cup helped open up doors for me. Um, so I, I was able to, I've been able to live Dallas Cup through all its stages, either as a player, as a volunteer, as a journalist covering. Uh, the Dallas Cup then later as an administrator in the professional league uh, that had ties to the to the tournament and now running it from the inside and I can tell you Dallas Cup has always been uh, a prominent tournament and one uh, with a lot of prestige and it was it was able to capture lightning in a bottle a little bit in the early 80s in that there really wasn't a tournament like it anywhere in the world um, and so it came at the right time the U.S. didn't have a pro league shortly after Dallas Cup started, so for people particularly in this area, it was the only way to go see high-level outdoor soccer. You know, the Psychics then started in the mid-'80s. They became very successful. Gordon Jago, who was with the Psychics, then came on board with the Dallas Cup and ran it for 10 years. Um, but if you go back to the 90s, I mean, we, the teams like Real Madrid uh, and AC Milan and Sao Paulo and, and Boca Juniors, they started to come to Dallas Cup in the late 80s, early 90s. ESPN International carried some finals in the mid-90s uh, because the, the World Cup was in the U.S., so the, the U.S. was r really uh, on the forefront of people's attention in, in soccer worldwide, and and that helped Dallas Cup. It elevated the, the um, awareness of Dallas Cup. Uh, and then when Gordon took over again, you know, he brought other uh, relationships and other influences that helped elevate it uh, yet again. And then now when I took over and getting back to your question, sorry to be long winded, <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to show that really it hasn't just been uh, yeah, recently. Dallas Cup has been what it is for a long, long time. Um, and, and so when I took over, uh, you know, for me it was like, you know, don't, don't fix if it ain't broke, right? I mean, it's like polish it. Uh, but just steer the bus in the right direction because this thing is is uh, such a unique uh, and um, in terms of uh, an event, uh, such uh, a a wonderful event that goes far beyond what happens on the soccer fields, and we can get to that in a little bit. Uh, so for me, the, the, the my personal goal at least was like, uh, don't screw it up, <laughs> and then do whatever you can, bring areas of expertise to it that perhaps uh, the tournament wasn't as strong in prior, and then help in that, and then elevate it in those areas while still maintaining the high level of uh, areas it had in other ways, if that makes any sense. So Yeah. Well, any tournament that lasts 40 years... A lot of people have to contribute sure, and yeah. done a lot of great things yeah. along the way. Yeah, and, and every year we have 
uh, over 1,000 volunteers that help, uh, close to 1,200, 1,300 uh, volunteers that help. Um, now, out of those volunteers, there are about 30 or 40, they're called committee chairs, that they oversee certain areas of the tournament. They're all experts in that one area, whether it's registration or managing a venue or PR or hospitality, whatever it is. We have like 30 or 40 different areas. Some of these volunteers that are, that are committee chairs have been involved with the tournament uh, over three decades and they all take vacation time during the tournament you help us you know, your yeah. family your wife helps us yeah. and I mean my parents were volunteers I was a volunteer and and everybody that works uh, in our office well we have four full-time but um, you know so many of these volunteers have been doing it for so long they're really the ones that make this thing click I mean yeah. they're the ones that are key because they are experts in their area and they're very passionate about what they do and without that there's no way this tournament would be what it is seriously i'm asking this question without knowing the answer which i okay. say you're never supposed to do but is there anything special for the 40th anniversary anything y'all are doing to commemorate this uh, big yeah one? so sure so uh, one thing that we uh, started to do uh, a little bit earlier this year we have a 40 for 40 social media campaign through twitter instagram facebook where we're highlighting uh, all our important moments, events, players, teams that have come through, a lot of really interesting things that have happened at Dallas Cup, players that have played in the tournament, uh, teams that have participated in, teams that have brought special players, special teams that not necessarily uh, drew the attention from a competitive point of view, but from a, uh, uh, from a cultural point of view or a, a society point of view. For example, once we had... Uh, a team made up of half Israeli, half Palestine kids playing on the same, same yeah. team, the peace team. So uh, th it's a social media campaign highlighting those events. Um, we ran a, a special Dallas Cup Minute campaign uh, on the ticket, which Bob Sturm was able to yeah. uh, voice for us, and that was kind of cool. And then, um, you know, opening day will be special as well. We have a special VIP guest this year, one of the iconic players. Uh, in Mexican national team history, uh, El Matador, Luis Hernandez, will be our guest of honor. He, he played in the Cotton Bowl, played in MLS. Obviously, uh, he played uh, with the Mexican national team top 10 player from Mexico. And it was important to bring somebody like that, too, uh, as, as our Mexican partners and, and Mexican teams uh, from Liga MX have been a, a big part and a big reason why uh, this tournament was able to develop uh, over the years because they established uh, our ability to get international teams and then clearly from there then we went on and, and got uh, more marquee teams from around the world but they've been key a key part of this uh, and then uh, you know we'll have special uh, commemorative um, iconic uh, marks throughout our hotels and uh, different touch points uh, with the players and and the managers and coaches of the teams to remind them that it's it's the 40th anniversary so uh, and then most importantly you know the the supergroup um, product this year the the talent level playing in the supergroup this year I mean we've talked about it yeah nine of the 12 teams are in first or second place in their respective Academy division it's going to be a very strong supergroup uh, so that'll be perfect for our 40th. 
If I understand my history correctly, I believe that the Dallas Cup was first put together by the Longhorns Soccer Correct. Club. Yeah. Uh, do you know enough about the history? I'm, I'm assuming sure. you know a lot that you yeah. can tell us. What was the What was the general idea yeah. when they created the tournament in the first place back then? So the Dallas Longhorns were uh, one of the um, the classic league uh, teams, one of the elite clubs in Dallas uh, back in the day. Uh, Buzz, you played in the area, but uh, you know teams like Titans and Comets and Longhorns were one of those clubs, and they would often, uh, or not often, every summer they would travel to Europe and play tournaments in mm -hmm. Europe. Uh, Ron Griffith uh, was uh, the, the, the director of that club and he wanted to start a tournament here. He, he's an English fellow. He wanted to start a tournament here to um, thank uh, the clubs overseas that hosted the Longhorns when they traveled abroad. So yeah. he started a tournament where he invited a few teams from uh, Europe. Uh, particularly England, uh, and and um, started a tournament where those teams could also, if they wanted, could stay with local families, some of the teams that played here. And that's how that tradition started. We're very unique in that way in that about 30 to 40 teams that come from abroad uh, stay with local teams, local families, mm -hmm. uh, which just further enhances the experience of the players when they play here, but that tradition started with that very first Do I remember correctly that, was it Beckham that stayed in touch with his family yeah, and came back and visited them? Yeah, many, many do, but Beckham is one of the more famous cases because he wrote about it in his book, in his autobiography, that he stayed with a Mexican-American family and uh, wrote about uh, the day-to-day -day, um, events that took place uh, while he played here, yeah. Speaking of playing in this tournament, you already mentioned it. You played in this tournament twice. Yeah. Any, uh, any fun? Who were you playing for? And any fond memories of playing in the tournament? <laughs> yeah, sure. Lone Star uh, Knights was the team. Uh, there's a, uh, a picture there. We're in a conference room right now for those uh, listening. It's not a visual here, but uh, see a picture there. In fact, you yeah. can walk up and while I talk into the mic. You can walk up and get it. See that, that one down there? Yeah. Uh, with a opening ceremonies from 81 or 82. Yeah, so I played for Lone Star Arlington two years. It was a one-off club. Uh, we had like two age categories and it's no longer there. Um, oh, you're in this picture. Yeah, huh? yeah. this is a, a picture that I got from my parents. Yeah. Um, so I wore this hat, but there's two guys wearing that same hat, so I'm either that or that. <laughs> but you can tell by that. I think, I think that's Well, I'll me tweet right this there. out later yeah. so everybody can see it. <laughs> well, it's blurry. But, um, so uh, fond memories of playing, yeah. Um, I remember actually playing, uh, playing in Dallas Cup. Uh, I remember more vividly the, the hosting of, of a player from abroad more than what happened on the field. And so many other people that played in Dallas Cup also have more vivid memories of, of that, you know, being able to host a foreign player than what happened on the field. But we had a, a t we hosted a team from Guatemala uh, the first year and then a team from Canada, Canada the second year I played. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember games. Uh, the first year we got spanked pretty good from a team from Mexico, I think beat us 6-0. Uh, and I remember looking at those guys and like, man, those guys are so good. This is like 1981, so yeah. you know, a, a different world back then. Uh, and then the second year we got to the quarters, but bowed out, so. But it was fun. Well, you, you mentioned that you did some PR and some media work for the Dallas Cup in the late 80s and early 90s. That was the, a little bit after that, sort of the mid-90s is when I started covering yeah. the tournament and going, I remember distinctly going to Lake Highlands yeah. and sitting in the press box for like a week with uh, Paul Gardner telling yeah. me stories right. about yeah, soccer America. Uh, holding court and yeah. just telling story after story after story. Yep. But, you know, those, those were some... Uh, <laughs> 
I so you got to meet Paul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Year after year, I sat with him. He used to have the best stories in the press. Yeah, box. you know, Paul Gardner uh, was instrumental too in getting the word out uh, in Dallas Cup, getting the word out about uh, itself. I guess, um, uh, he, you know, he was uh, Soccer America back then was the. Yeah. The industry, the soccer publication, uh, he came every year, wrote extensively about Dallas Cup. Uh, and, and from Soccer America's writings in the mid-80s to late 80s, uh, then it started to spread. World Soccer then started to send journalists. Uh, Placar of Brazil started. And, you know, once those start to send uh, writers, then it just, it just snowballs from there. And yeah. it just becomes this thing. It's amazing what what this became in the mid-90s. I mean, it was incredible what was happening here in Dallas in terms of hosting an international tournament of its kind. And this is before MLS started. So there was really yeah. no high-level international soccer being played here on an annual basis anyway. So. To my memory, that's about when I remember started a broadcast of the tournament yeah. happening. Were you, were you involved yeah. in the genesis yeah. of that at yeah. all? Well, I, I, no, I was involved in, in, in helping the, the producers and the talent. You know, I was... a, a as the volunteer that covered media, you know, I was basically their researcher and prepared game notes for them, kind of like what Evan does now. Now it's a full-time position, but back then it was all volunteer. But no, it's yeah. great that it, we've evolved like that. But um, yeah, and I, you know, I remember Ty Keo, uh was uh, one of the announcers one year and going to dinner with him after games with the crew. And you know, for a guy in college or right out of college, those were kind of like pretty cool things. And for me, Dallas Cup really opened the doors uh, into broadcasting, which then led to soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us about your TV uh, for this year, for this year's 40th anniversary yeah. of Dallas Cup. So uh, this will be our second year of a five-year deal with Univision Deportes. Uh, this is actually the third year that they've been broadcasting, but uh, this is the second in the five-year agreement that we reached last year. Um, they will be broadcasting uh, supergroup games and also the under-14 supergroup, which we created uh, in conjunction with Univision. We created the under-14 supergroup. So they'll be broadcasting some preliminary games and then the quarters, I'm sorry, the semis of both supergroups and then their finals. And then for the first time this year, we've partnered with Flow Sports. Uh, a you know the that the, uh, the streaming company they're not new in in terms of uh, streaming they've been streaming for a while other content but they're fairly new to soccer I think they're DC United's partner and Cincinnati's partner and uh, this is a pretty extensive streaming um, agreement we have with them they'll be doing uh, they'll be broadcasting uh, all our quarterfinal games uh, for all age groups semifinals and then the finals. Uh, for all those games not involving the two supergroups, which is obviously a Univision uh, property. So we're excited. That's a ton of games. That's like 35 games that will be broadcast uh, nationally, either over the air or, um, uh, well, not over the air, because Univision Deportes is, is um, what's that considered? Cable? Not cable. Cable or broadcast or yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Nowadays it's all blurry, yeah, right? It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not really not streaming. Yeah, not streaming. <laughs> yeah, over the air. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the supergroup was created in 1990. Uh, do you know anything about the creation of supergroup? Why? Why did they deem that they needed a separate? Yeah. Higher level group. Yeah. So there was the under 19, a regular under 19 bracket through the 80s, but uh, towards the late 80s, and particularly. 
after the U.S. was announced as the World Cup venue for 1994. Uh, interest in coming to the U.S. really started to peak, and the Dallas Cup was uh, a tournament that many teams from abroad uh, looked at as an opportunity to go to the U.S. and check out this country that is going to suddenly host the World Cup in, in a few years. So uh, as the supergroup got stronger and stronger, uh, and it's, uh, Dallas Cup is invitation only, it always was, but more and more applicants wanted to play in that under-19 age bracket. Uh, there was enough um, standard, the standard was high enough from all the applicants that they could carve out a super group um, and, and which also makes for a great television property as well. And that all was, was, came hand in hand, and ESPN got involved shortly after that. And I think that <coughs> it, it was smart and genius, and there was nothing like that. There was no tournament in the world that had an under-19 elite bracket like that. And so it definitely piqued interest, not only with the broadcaster, but then it kind of snowballs. Other elite teams see it, and before you know it, you have all these elite academies from around the world wanting to play in Dallas Cup. And today, m most elite academies or most pro um, teams, the top pro teams from around the world have competed in Dallas Cup. There's one exception. And we're working hard every day to one day bring them, and that's Bayern, ironically. Cause, no, <laughs> that is ironic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so <laughs> FC Dallas is, is helping us with that. And they, they lent us a hand in the approach this year. We came very close with Bayern. Uh, but there was a conflict in scheduling because they're also participating in the UEFA Youth League. Uh, and, right, right. and so there was a, a conflict of schedules. So we will keep trying with Bayern, but any other major club in Europe, any other major club in South America, and obviously in North America, has played in Dallas Cup. Now that you did mention the Super 14s were new mm -hmm. last year, yeah. what was the thinking with that new group? And I assume it, since it's back, it must have been a success. Yeah, so that was uh, Univision when they approached us uh, about wanting to broadcast Dallas Cup games. Uh, obviously, the Super Group, uh, the traditional Super Group, the Under 19 Super Group, is of interest, and uh, because uh, it's it's our famous uh, and our marquee. Uh, bracket. Uh, but in those conversations, uh, they also expressed interest in, in doing something with a younger age bracket with perhaps the goal of one day getting to have something like the Little League World Series. Now, mm. the Little League World Series it took 50 years for it to get to the point where it is today. And th those are a little bit younger kids. I think those are 12-year-olds. And But it's kids from all over the world competing, kids from all over the U.S. competing to come here and, and stage the finals in the U.S. So maybe the goal is to get to that point one day, but they wanted to start um, focusing on that younger age group. We chose the under 14 as kind of an ideal age group. There's not another one like it around the world right now in that particular age bracket. Um, and that's, you know, we're starting small and growing it from there. And uh, this year we already have five professional academy clubs uh, with a team in the, um, in the uh, Univision under 14 super group. Both the 14s and the 19s, how do you go about creating a super group for any given year? What, what kind of teams do you look at? Sure. How does that process happen? Yeah. So we, uh, there's uh, several goals in mind, and we'll just talk about the, the under-19 supergroup, and we've been doing that sure. one for a while. So it's 12 teams, uh, and the reason we do 12 instead of 16 is because we want to give uh, the opportunity for teams to also advance as a wild card. We don't want a team from, uh, for example, if you lose your first game, 
uh, let's say Manchester United or Real Madrid comes, they lose their first game, and then not have the ability to then advance out of their group. If we have 16, they would each group would only advance one out. But if we have 12, each group of uh, four advances one out, and then you get a wild card. So that's how we get to 12. Um, and then we try to be geographically diverse. Um, we want teams uh, from North America, uh, you know, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. And then we want teams from Latin America. And then we want teams from Europe. And then, when possible, Asia and Africa. Uh, and so um, there's certain countries that we already get an automatic slot in there. For example, we have a relationship with the EPL. Uh, so they're under, under 18 champion. Uh, every year, um, they in the subsequent uh, tournament and the subsequent spring after they get crowned, they're invited to compete in the supergroup uh, of the Dallas Cup. If they can't because of a scheduling issue, then we'll go to the second place team and so on. So that's, for example, this year how Arsenal is in the tournament. Uh, and we're working on perhaps doing something with La Liga, perhaps. You know, we've had Villarreal, they're coming this year. Mm -hmm. We had Valencia uh, come a couple years ago. So uh, it takes a while to uh, form a relationship where it's official and it's automatic. Mm -hmm. But uh, the discussions are there, and we hope to one day down the line, one year, be able to do that with La Liga as well. Uh, then our apparel partner, you know, whether like we've had Adidas now for this is our, our sixth year with Adidas. Before that, it was Nike. Before that, Diodora. Uh, and Adidas was, uh, was our partner in years past as well. Uh, they've been great partners, uh, and they help us identify a team that they can also help bring us. Uh, every year and you know sometimes that's how we get like the Man United's and the River Plates is through uh, our partnership with Adidas. Um, we try to include um, one local team and, and we look at the standings of the um, uh, Development Academy League every December we have a cutoff date uh, and that's you know FC Dallas is our host club that's uh, that's their, their, their the local team. We also try to include MLS teams uh, uh, because this obviously is also to help the growth of U.S. soccer. Uh, this year we have the defending champions NYCFC. Last year we did as well Atlanta, the year before Dallas. So we always try to uh, have the defending champion participate if they can. Uh, and then another strong club from MLS. This year we have Salt Lake. They're in first place. We have Toronto, very strong team. NYCFC first place. Dallas first place. So all the MLS teams are yeah. at the top of their game. Uh, and then the top teams in Mexico as well. So in, outside of the Supergroup, in the broader scope of the tournament, you've mentioned that it's invitation only. Yeah, right. Um, is that the same sort of deal where sometimes you have relationships or you're trying to, yeah. trying to go broad and get... So by invitation only, it means uh, teams apply and then we select, we invite teams from those applications. We typically get about 400 applications uh, and we're selecting about half of the teams. Um, international teams, you know, we, it, uh, uh, yeah, we, we also go out and reach out and invite, but we also take in applications and we go through those. Uh, we have a vetting process, same with teams from the U.S. Local teams have to go through qualifiers. We have three separate qualifiers that uh, we have in place to qualify teams into the tournament. They're like small mini tournaments? Yeah, right? well, yeah, but they're, 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 they're existing tournaments. It's the Ken oh, Smith tournament yeah. uh, that is run by Classic League, the Bobby Ryan, and the Fall Classic uh, run by the Texans. Okay. 
Uh, your opening day at the Cotton Bowl has become a pretty marquee mm-hmm. event. Yeah. Um, some good names in that tournament this year. Can you can you tell us both yeah. about this year's event and sort of what the idea is with that whole event in general? Sure. Yeah. So last year we had uh, we set a record. I think we had uh, twenty thousand and change. Yeah, that uh, in right. attendance, yeah. So uh, we've been able to grow that event. We work with the city as well, the city of Dallas, to get DISD students there. We have all our participating teams there for the parade. It's a very international event as well. All the referees are there. I think like last year we had 40 countries represented on the field. Really, Dallas Cup, when you think about it, it's like the most international event that takes place every year in Dallas. Uh, yeah. and, and this is just a, a, a time for, and it's kind of tradition now for the Dallas soccer community, the North Texas soccer community to go out and, and catch Dallas Cup games, many opt to go to opening day, because we have some really good games every year opening day. And yeah. we've kind of like made a tradition now to have FC Dallas as the host club uh, open it up against a, one of the marquee teams in their group. This year they open up against Villarreal of La Liga. Uh, I think they played Arsenal in the past and teams Last like that. Last year was Arsenal, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Arsenal came back this year representing EPL. They were very keen to do it. They got to the final last year, and I think right away, uh, within minutes after that final, <laughs> whistle blew. They were already against like, Tigris, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were wanting to come back, and uh, it worked out great because uh, they, they were next in line when. Um, Chelsea couldn't make it because of scheduling conflicts. Uh, Liverpool came as our invite, uh, and they'll have the marquee game, which is always uh, what we do after the parade. Uh, at 6.30, we have that marquee game, and so now we'll put the defending champs, Tigris, against uh, Liverpool, who is wow. in first place in EPL, right? Yes, they are. That'll be pretty good. <laughs> and Liverpool, why would you pick Liverpool, yeah, Andy no, Swift? Yeah. <laughs> right, no, yeah. It's the first time they're in the tournament since I've started, so that's good. Uh, so other than the Cotton Bowl, and obviously we know that Dallas, that the Toyota Stadium at the end is involved. So what other places are you playing this year? Yeah, so uh, we we play in two stadiums, th- those two that you mentioned, and then we also play in two uh, complexes, uh, MoneyGram Park uh, and uh, MoneyGram Soccer Park, I think is the official name, and then uh, the, the Classic League fields at Richland College, uh, where we've been playing a long, long time. Uh, so in, in total, this year we have 26 fields plus two stadiums that we use up. So a very large footprint, 14 hotels. Um, so it really is a busy 10 days, uh, but most importantly, that's a lot of soccer being played. Um, but it's kind of cool that we open up at the Cotton Bowl um, for that big crowd there. And then through the week, uh, all kinds of games are going on at Richland and at MoneyGram. And then we end up uh, in Frisco at Toyota Stadium. So we kind of like uh, catch a little bit of, of uh, uh, a bunch of locations and, and, and spread our um, our footprint a little bit to give uh, people around the Metroplex a chance to go see some games. Now, I know that there's at least uh, some sort of informal, or maybe it's more than that, relationship between you and the gen- and the Generation Adidas Cup, which mm-hmm. takes yeah. place. MLS runs at the same time in the yeah. same place. Right. So uh, this podcast is not about the Generation Adidas Cup, but could you tell us a little sure. bit about that relationship and where you guys fit in with them? Yeah, so uh, the, the, the relationship came about because we have a common partner in Adidas. And also we have a relationship with MLS in that their teams uh, play in the super group. Well, they, they play in all age brackets, but uh, it's those super group uh, MLS teams that 
uh, we uh, would often uh, refer to MLS for guidance, say, hey, which teams uh, are you recommending? And uh, so the relationship was there, and they, uh, they were seeking to expand their GA Cup uh, from what uh, they were doing uh, with it, which I believe was uh, being played in the summer, and it wasn't as extensive as it is now. Now they have uh, regional qualifiers where the MLS teams play to decide who goes into which uh, there's an elite bracket and yeah, and yeah. so um, but then they have to have the, the finals uh, in a location and uh, the conversation started uh, you know basically we approached uh, through Adidas MLS and said look uh, as you start this you know we have infrastructure here we can help you uh, get this tournament growing and we have relationships with teams obviously clearly they do as well but you know we, we have yeah. relationships with academies um, uh, and so we can help you with that with refereeing with uh, travel with um, infrastructure while you um, it, you know uh, develop your own infrastructure to yeah. put on that tournament and, and that's what's been happening so every year uh, they are more and more and more uh, involved in, in what they do with GA Cup uh, to where now, it, it, you know, compared to how it was five years ago, we we do far, far less than we used to, but it's good to see. Now it's kind of a uh, self-contained operation that they have, and, and uh, we help as we can here and there, uh, but they're well on their way to producing that on their own now. Yeah, and it makes this whole week even more of a big yeah, sort of giant soccer event in Dallas. Absolutely. We could call it Soccer Week in North Texas. Uh, you know, FC Dallas plays a home game before it all gets started that Saturday night, and now the sidekicks are also playing uh, and active again. Uh, we have Dallas Cup. We have a Generation Adidas Cup, and then the International Girls Cup takes place that week as well. So mm. between the Dr. Pepper Dallas Cup and uh, GA Cup and the Girls Cup, it really is uh, all eyes of uh, youth soccer kind of focused on Dallas for at least a week, and it's kind of cool. Is there any relationship with the Girls Cup, or is that an independent? Uh, no, they're independent, uh, but we have a relationship in that uh, we help each other out, tickets, and you know we invite... Uh, we send them a block of tickets. They can come to our games if we want. And uh, sometimes uh, teams inquire about sending a girls team to Dallas Cup. We explain, no, we're not. But then we refer them to uh, yeah. a tournament. Yeah, so we run concurrently. Uh, t two American teams have won the Super Group. Yeah. The first one was the Dallas Texans Red mm -hmm. back in 2005. Uh, they actually were two-time national champs coming into that tournament. Uh, that team had Omar Gonzalez, Andre Ackman, uh, Dane Santos, Bill Dorsky, Stephen McCarthy. Uh, they ended up knocking off Santos Laguna 4-2 in the championship. Yeah. Was it 06? 06, uh, 05 was the, what the notes I read okay. uh, this morning, but okay. it may have been 06. Yeah. I could be wrong. The yeah. article I read could have been outdated. Yeah, well, 05 <laughs> is probably when they won the national championship, uh, okay. and then they won the 06 Dallas Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's more than likely my bad notes yeah. more than it is the, uh, the truth. Okay, so we'll call that 06. And then... Um, they knocked off Santos Laguna in the final. Do you remember? I remember watching that run as it happened. That team was spectacular. There were quite a few guys that ended up with successful pro careers. That was one of the best American teams we've ever seen. Absolutely. That was a very, very strong Texans team. That was uh, uh, when, when Texans was not only the top uh, youth club here in Dallas, they were among the top clubs, if not the top club in the U.S. at the time. And uh, you know, they've had several alums come out of uh, their club, not just Omar Gonzalez, who was on that team, yeah. uh, but other prominent 
players, uh, including Clint Dempsey, yeah, Dempsey who yeah, played yeah. in Dallas Cup as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really strong team. And I remember, uh, you know, I wasn't at the final. I don't know if you were or not, but I remember uh, somebody telling me, hey, the Texans won the final. It's like, wow. You know, that was a big moment for U.S. soccer, uh, or at least U.S. U.S. youth soccer, in that a, a U.S. team was able to to win the supergroup. Yeah. It was a legit team for sure. I was not at the final, but I I think I saw two games in their run yeah. that year. They were just they were a joy to watch as an American team. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Nuevo, Villanueva went oh, to uh, yeah. Virginia, was their number ten playmaker, yeah. huh. and never quite panned out as no, a pro. But yeah. he was a spectacular uh, playmaker at the time. And then 2017, yeah. of course, the yeah. FC Dallas won the supergroup with. Uh, Notably with Jesus Ferreira, Paxton Pomacaw, and Reggie Cannon, who yeah. were all already pros, but came back, yeah. as, as everybody does, they right. bring your pros and play sure. it in your 19 team yeah. to win that uh, group. And, and a current North Texas signing, Arturo Rodriguez, yeah. scored the game-winning goal yeah. against Monterey, which is a good team, and, and it's in yeah. a lot of ways. That's an academy rival for FC yeah. Dallas. Well, that Monterey team had Jonathan Gonzalez playing holding oh, right. mid. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was a very good Monterey team. That was a nationally televised game on Univision. Uh, it was fantastic because it was nice to see FC Dallas win and on their home grounds. A big crowd was there that day. Uh, and they became the first MLS team to win the Supergroup. And, you know, it, it's uh, these MLS teams that compete now in Supergroup, just like Texans back in 06. It's, it was a, a big deal to win Dallas Cup. And that's just... Uh, we, we at Dallas Cup are proud that teams look at it like that, and not just the U.S. teams, but all teams that raise that trophy, the boot and ball trophy. They're so proud to have won that. And man, that ML, that uh, FC Dallas team was pretty good. And, and yeah. pa Paxton, that tournament was insane. You know, Paxton won. Um, the, he was on an all-star team, a, a, right. an all-star Dallas Cup team that went to Europe every every few year, like not every other year, but uh, maybe four of the last six years we've uh, uh, formed an all-star team uh, and taken them to Europe to play in tournaments and train at high-level academies there. Uh, and Paxson, the year he won uh, his spot on the all-star team, then went on to much bigger things in Europe that year. He yeah. he was tournament MVP and played with the legends, but then he came back to play in Dallas Cup as uh, under, in the under nineteen last super year. group. Yeah, well, yeah, and then last year, but he got hurt last year. That two thousand seventeen team was pretty amazing. I was going to ask you about the All Star teams if you were still doing that. If, if yeah, we to. we do it. Yeah, it's it's always a budget issue uh, and a and a budget consideration, but uh, we we've, we've been able to do it four or five out of the last six or seven years. So it's not happening this year. That we're focusing on our fortieth and resources for our fortieth, mm -hmm. but hopefully it's something that we can keep going in the future. I just talked to Lucha Gonzalez, you know, two hours ago about the Dallas Cup, mm -hmm. and he talked about how uh, invaluable it is yeah. to their mm -hmm. academy as a whole, sure. both academy players and MLS players that they send down, because they actually have a goal of, by the time a kid leaves the academy, they want them to yeah. play 50 high-level international oh, games, well, international opponents. Yeah. And the Dallas Cup is a huge part of that process yeah. because the level of competition is so incredibly high. Yeah, yeah, that's great that he says that. I mean, uh, you know, f for us, uh, it's important. Uh, part of our mission is to help develop U.S. soccer, obviously. But uh, f for us, it's it's nice that uh, these MLS academies and U.S.-based academies look at Dallas Cup as an important part of their development. Uh, Real Salt Lake, for example, who just recently set a record for homegrowns, um, ha has publicly stated that Dallas Cup is, a, is an important part of their youth academy and yeah. development program as well. Uh, so, yeah, we're proud of that. And you know what? I, I should say 
it's not just uh, we're not just helping develop players. We're helping develop referees too. Uh, the EPL, uh, we we have a program with them where this is kind of one of the final exams before uh, referees get promoted in the championship in the EPL. Concacaf sends their newly appointed FIFAs um, because if you think about it, uh, these referees gain experience by refereeing within the Concacaf region, so they're limited in 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 culture versus culture like they have they'll have teams from Canada and the US the, the Latin American countries you know Mexico and Central America and the Caribbean and that's kind of the dynamic and the only dynamic they see but once they're appointed to be a FIFA uh, they're going to have to officiate in tournaments involving many cultures so at Dallas Cup they can come and get that first experience a team from Asia against a team from Europe that's something they don't get to see within CONCACAF and that's how Dallas Cup helps develop them yeah. and you know so we have US academies Canadian academies Japanese Australia New Zealand it's incredible that was one of the questions I was going to ask you because I remember at many Dallas Cup games there being like a referee mm -hmm. uh, evaluator in almost every game either yep. in the press box or on the sideline sure. and grading those guys because yep. it is such a they different are getting competition assessed. Absolutely. All those uh, referee groups that come are assessing the referees. Well, you know as well as anybody, the reason we have cards in soccer is because of the language barrier. Yeah, in right. Because uh, yeah, yeah. if you just pointed, <laughs> right. nobody yeah, knew nobody what you thought that meant. Yeah. you got to have a card. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, like if you think about it, remember Howard Webb officiated a couple years ago, and we didn't publicly say anything about him going, that he was going to referee some games. And that, that game, he walked out with the, you know, all, every game we play, even if they're not at the stadium, yeah. even if they're on the field, we do the processional, and they walk out with the referee to the midfield right, right. line. And so when the players realized that it was Howard Webb there in the middle, they're like, jaws <laughs> dropped. They're like, are you kidding me? It's funny. But it's pretty cool. If you're 14 and you're, playing yeah. in a game and you're playing against a team from another continent and the referee in the middle is wearing a FIFA badge. I mean, you... Yeah. And maybe a team you've heard of or watched yeah, on TV. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned think teams like the Peace Cup and, and some teams from Africa that you brought before. Is there anybody that's sort of a special team in this year's field that we should know about? Uh, no. So every year we do try um, to... Uh, we're always trying to bring teams... Uh, like that to Dallas Cup and you know the, it happens every four or five years I mean all everything has to fall just right and the funding has to be in place but uh, so there are several that are in the works um, and and Gordon who retired as the executive director but now is our ambassador is really primarily uh, the one involved in spearheading those efforts um, and 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 you know every once in a while we'll we'll succeed but uh, the Thai boys that were um, uh, saved from the, their right. uh, the cave, uh, yeah. so uh, there were efforts to bring them. Um, it, it wasn't able to work out. The, a women's team from Tibet. Uh, we um, made some inroads in trying to bring them as special guests. Um, a women's team from Tibet that are refugees in India. It's kind of a long story, but there's a nice story there, and we we're trying to fund uh, something so they could go. They eventually ended up going to a tournament in Vancouver, which was nice, so they at least got to travel to North America. Uh, and then um, Doc Lawson, I don't know if you know. Of course, Doc I think yeah. great, yeah. So he is very involved in Liberian soccer. And, uh, we've been now for several years uh, working towards bringing a team from Liberia 
it would be the first uh, youth uh, soccer team from Liberia to come play in a tournament in the U.S. So those are all things that are, that we are always working on those things, and sometimes they hit, and, you know, when they don't for that particular tournament, we roll it over and keep trying for the next one. I believe Chris Bondi was a Liberian. He was, and exactly. He's now a yes. college coach. He is, yes, yeah. up in the Northeast. I don't know if he has yeah. any connections to Liberia yeah. or not, yeah. but he's got a Dallas yeah. connection. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's been a long history of famous players that have come through the Dallas Cup. Yeah. Uh, even like the Arsenal kid last year that now is a big player for them. Right, uh, the winger. Yeah, yeah the winger. Yeah. Um, all the way back to Beckham, to Raul. I mean, the list is... Uh, oh, oh, Rafael Marquez, right? The emperor, right? Yeah, no, the, the list is... Uh, you know, it's just... It, and every year it just gets longer. I'll just throw out a few things. Uh, for example, when Man United uh, recently beat PSG in France... Two players came off the bench. Both of those players uh, that came off the bench from their academy or recently promoted from their academy played a Dallas Cup uh, the year prior. And sometimes players play that tournament, and then within months, they're playing in the first team. Yeah. Going back to like when Raul played here with Real Madrid, won the championship, won the Dallas Cup in 93, Got to Madrid, promoted to the first team immediately, and then the rest is history. Jonathan Gonzalez, this is a great uh, note here. Yeah. 2017, got to the final, played against FC Dallas, lost in the final. Was immediately promoted to the first team, won MVP of Liga MX, and now plays with the national team two years later. Yeah. There's stories like that all over the place uh, with Dallas Cup. One out of every 11 goal scorers from the last two World Cups so one out of every 11 guys that have scored a goal over yeah. the last two World Cups has played in Dallas Cup. That's remarkable. That, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I, Ivan Perisic of Croatia, yeah. who scored in the World Cup final, Dallas Cup. So there's so many of those. At any given time, half the Mexican national team yeah. has, played has played Dallas, Dallas Cup. Yeah, yeah. Has played oh, Dallas the, Cup. Uh, and the U.S. is getting to the point where the U.S. Yeah. now, too, as well. The, between yeah. the, the number of Mexican teams that come here and bring yeah. legit top-line yeah. teams, too. it's How's this? Yeah. The top four goal scorers right now in MLS, right yeah. now, yeah. like, Today, today, all played in Dallas Cup, and go. only two are from the U.S. Yeah, it's which remarkable. is remarkable, right? <laughs> only remarkable. two are from the yeah. U.S. It's not like, yeah. oh yeah, because it's MLS. So, pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Well, your old tournament wraps up with the championship. Two day, I believe it's two day championship. We call that a weekend at uh, yeah, that, the stadium. Yeah, championship weekend is what we call it because a Friday night is the semifinals or the super group, and then the two days, younger age groups on Saturday, older age groups on Sunday. Yeah. So that's the closing of your tournament. It's the it's the big uh, ball and boot uh, yeah, trophy presentations, trophy presentations yeah. and the, yeah. the teams up there yeah. at Toyota Stadium, and that, that that ends off your tournament on a on a big note. Uh, the teams that uh, win those tournaments, I think, pick up a humongous bragging right yeah. to be able to talk about yeah. winning the Dallas Cup, particularly winning the two supergroups. But yeah. Dallas well, Cup Tigers win. won the two supergroups last year, yeah. and they were very active on social media, letting the world know the world that they did. Yeah, which is great for us. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, haven't they won the most championships? Uh, of, uh, oh, oh, Monterey's uh, up there, too. Monterey has won the most uh, trophies over all age brackets, but mm -hmm. they've never won the supergroup. Three finals, mm -hmm. not one win, so they're Kind of like, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's going to be an exciting tournament. I'm looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I will be at quite a few of the games, of course. Yes, you and will. And you're helping us as well. I'm helping so you as well. I'll bring in your expertise. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're a great example. Uh, and we rely on the expertise of those involved in the soccer community here. People are experts in many different areas of life and of soccer. And... It, this is how Dallas Cup survives is with the help of these people like you and, you know, like everybody we have helping. 
Well, thanks for taking uh, 30 minutes Thank out you. of your... Yeah, you better... What's up, Dizzy? Good luck editing. Uh, busy schedule. Yeah. Oh, no, we'll just put up the whole thing. Yeah. We'll go with awesome. No editing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope uh, uh, people listen and enjoy, and we'll see you at the fields. Awesome. Thanks. Cool.